we are activating your unique self-discovery one show at a time. The Orchard of Wisdom Self-Discovery Podcast are at your fingertips, just waiting to inspire and invite you in discovering just how awesome you really are and how to navigate through life in joy, enrichment, personal abundance, in mind, body, spirit, heart and soul. All the people we bring you are here to serve you on your journey of life. Do enjoy our next show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Your Health is Your Choice, right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy. My wonderful guest is Becky Wolf. Health, what is all that? Well, she says the idea that health and leadership coaching can go hand in hand, understanding that you are a person, seeking the health and balance you want from life and understanding what motivates you are possible. She believes that people are searching for peace, health and balance, but they are struggling to find what makes sense to them. She's passionate about helping people understand who they are so they can become healthy, happy and free. Finding peace in your relationship with food and your body, as well as finding peace in your purpose, is what inspired her to be a coach. She's a leadership development specialist focusing on organizational change, specifically focused on burnout within teams. She is a certified coach consultant with a giant worldwide and has background in her, her, her in healthcare. And she started her career as a physician assistant uh, working in the ER. And she spent the bulk of her career working in cardiology, where she became frustrated with the current healthcare model. While she was practicing PA in cardiology, Becky decided to get certified as a health coach to help pay her patients uh, with their own well-beingness. Becky uh, got certificated through the NSHS, um, which is a clinically based certification. And uh, she is now here motivationally um, helping patients on their own journey of their own health lives. You know, it's wonderful having medical there. It's wonderful having doctors and the medicine and the operations and all that can be done today. But really well-beingness isn't just a question of looking after the body health. If the mind health and the equilibrium are not in sync with each other, everything is thrown out of balance, isn't it, Becky? Welcome to the show. Yes. Oh my goodness, Sarah. Thank you so much. It's an amazing opportunity. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. I mean, you see a great deal in, in cardiology and of course, cardiac, you know, is uh, still the number one disease isn't it the number one killer both with men and women though we hear about it I think more with men than we do with women mm -hmm. um but it's it in a lot of ways it can be so prevented if we mm -hmm. managed our stress managed our well-beingness and understand mm -hmm. that life must have some joy and mm -hmm. happiness in it for it to really fortify our well-beingness Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think back to when I was working in cardiology and the biggest frustration I heard from patients over and over again was I, I want to get off medications. Mm. I want to get healthy. And it was, uh, it was definitely a disconnect and a struggle for me to try and figure out how to help them with just such a limited amount of time. So, um, but yeah, absolutely correlates with stress and actually being present and self-aware. You know, we talked beforehand and my brother's just had a heart attack and he had one, I think, some 15 years ago or was it nine years ago? Anyway, a while ago. And um, he immediately became vegan 
and uh, he walks a great deal. He lives a very healthy lifestyle, but he had another um, heart attack and now he's got stents in, he's got to have another one put in and he's hating the medication he's on and the fatigue all the time. And it's like, for him, it was a defected heart, which was, you know, like our father. Um, and he did everything right. And you can do everything right, but there's sometimes there's just, you know, nature against you. And how do you find a balance between maintaining the heart medically and maintaining your spirit mm -hmm. in, as a yeah. human being? Yeah, yeah, that can be really challenging, especially in your brother's situation with doing everything right. Mm. You know, we would think of like everything right being taking medications or um, even just shifting diet to a vegan lifestyle. Everything we're taught um, yes. is supposed to be working, right? Um, but a lot of it, like we we're talking about earlier, Sarah, is it's mindset. It's really the the awareness of what's causing me joy or what's creating joy in my life right now. And, and how do I capitalize on that? How do yeah. I, am I self-aware to just build the relationships around me? And um, am I self-aware to know how to take care of myself as far as reducing stress, as far as um, doing something that I enjoy doing? Because there's so many different components to the lives that we live. And um, it, it, and yeah, I, I think there's the frustration that, that lies there too of like, I'm doing everything I can possibly yeah. do. And uh, there's the disconnect there of the, the frustration and the reality of there's nothing more I can do. So how do I live the best life given what I know? What is what is my reality at this point? Um, so he's definitely not alone there. And I think that um, increasing, honestly, just self-awareness as to what creates joy for him mm. and honestly partnering with providers and helping them understand um, what he's going through uh, in regards to medications can be really, really powerful. And unfortunately, where we're looking at right now, there's a shortage of medical everywhere in the world. And there isn't kind of any backup. I mean, the only reason he saw a doctor because he was in emergency and even going back to his own doctor, he will not be seeing him. It will be a phone mm -hmm. call. And it always kind of makes the person feel just like a number next, you know. Mm -hmm. And some people just don't find it that easy to talk on the phone or, you know, by Zoom or something like that. And it's a, we're seeing so many people kind of slip through the cracks right now where if we got to them before that, you know, mm -hmm. we could steer the ship in a different direction. And I think a lot of people are feeling more stress and more anxiety over their health today than ever in, in quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. And uh, I think there's stress on both sides. I've asked people that still work in, in medically now and as clinicians and um, the frustration that they feel is yeah. the systemic burnout right now as we're yes. talking some about burnout, but they're feeling a lot of the pressure just on direct patient care and things. And then I, I see patients on the other side of that, where they're just feeling so much frustration because they never feel heard. Mm -hmm. And I think honestly, both sides of it, they don't feel heard. No, Nobody's feeling no. heard here. Yeah. Relationships, communication are lacking. And honestly, I think that's the biggest impact that if we changed communication and relationships among people in the medical world, mm. imagine the trickle down effect that would have on our patients of not feeling like a number, but actually feeling heard in their care. Yes. So that is where my heart bleeds for people and just bleeds for the medical system as, as of right now, because I see just, uh, you know, the targets of burnout, um, where we're a lot of times going after the individual resiliency of of practitioners, of, of nurses and frontline 
workers, but we're not highlighting the system yeah. as a whole and the, the yes. deficits that are there and what actually needs to change for people to be in systems that thrive. I mean, the system was pretty broken before COVID and now, you know, it's fractured, isn't it? And so many people leaving the profession just because of burnout and I can't sign another death certificate, you know, and we don't realize this, the post-traumatic stress there from everything that, that they went through. And yes, it's made a shortage in the world. And yet, as I said, we've got people because of not seeing doctors that are, are missing diagnoses that mm-hmm. could have been got at earlier. Um, we have people that are under more stress because of the anxiety of where the world is going next. You know, mm-hmm. a, a, another war of flooding, uh, this mm-hmm. politician and that going on, and nobody's feeling secure about their life. So it's really hard to say to people, you need to find some joy in your life to have the balance when they go, but do you know what's going on in the world? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, absolutely. And I think that it's a global anxiety for a variety yeah. of different reasons. And that's exactly what you're highlighting is just this looming pressure that we all I think experience or feel at this point post COVID trying to figure out what the way forward is, but then just highlighting some other areas that are just so stressful. Mm. And I think that that's, if we let them be stressful, I think that's yeah. something we have to highlight of what can we change? Can we control any of that? And yeah. the reality is most of us know we can't control any of that. So what can we control? We can control yeah. ourselves and the relationships around us and how we show up for those. And that, you know, in my role, that seems to be like uh, what I'm highlighting often is what do you have control over? Mm. And within the system that you're part of, is there something you can do to change it? Is there something, a, a voice that you can you know, highlight is your voice. Can it be highlighted? And is there a circle that you can be within where you can make a difference? And I think sometimes giving that little inkling of hope is powerful because they're like, oh, I'm not, I'm, you know, I can't have a voice. I'm not completely silent. A lost. Um, Yes. Lost. And just feel like there's no hope. And I think that with burnout, there's this spectrum of, I don't feel any hope. I don't feel like there's any resources coming to my, my Mm -hmm. aid or anything is getting better. And there's the other spectrum of it where there's just no growth or there's no opportunity. Mm. And those are kind of the things that I'm seeing as I'm working with clients now. So a stagnancy. um, Yes. The, the stagnation. Mm. And as I'm looking for, you know, looking through the, the millennial generation and the different um, leadership styles uh, mm. that are needed for millennials and Gen Z at this point, we're highlighting a lot of, you know, they don't want stagnation. They want a path for yeah. growth and that actually ends burnout. That's part of it is yes. just having somebody who's invested in your life and in your immediate relationships. So what do you have? What, what can you do about what you're experiencing right now? And, you know, staying present is such a key to, to ending burnout or preventing it. I think also the question is, is that, you know, what somebody of my age in, in my late sixties and, and somebody, you know, my kids in their thirties, you know, what they look for in life or out of life is very different to kind of what I look for because we, you know, we go by the way we're upbringing, you know, the, the two, 2.2 kids, which I'm always trying to work out, you know, what, <laughs> the fraction of the kid, you know, the picket fence and all of that, and that that will make you happy. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of millennials are growing up with divorced parents or unhappy parents because they followed that system. And they look at, um, you know, will I ever own a home? Should I even bother? You know, mm-hmm. the old avocado toast, I'll go and get my avocado toast and forget about it. Um, 
And it's like, for some, there is a sense of, I'm going to create a future I want. And for Mm -hmm. others, it's like, I feel still feeling the wake of my Mm -hmm. parents' Mm -hmm. anticipation. And we're in this mush right now. And I'm not Mm -hmm. quite sure how to see myself out of it. So there's a lot of transitioning going on at the present moment, isn't there? Yes. Oh my goodness. I just see, I, you know, have the opportunity to, to talk, you know, to some younger folks that are in their twenties and just getting out of college and what they want in their lives and, and what they're seeking. And it's so different than what I even wanted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming out of college, I'm like, okay, I have to come out. I have to get married. And there's a lot of, um, pressure, I feel like on women in particular, just to come out and making sure that you're having those 2.2 kids by a certain age. And, um, so there's pressure, I think on both sides of it though, I'm not, you know, discounting um, the pressures that men experience as well, but there's just such a difference in, um, just the, the desires that they have coming out of college and understanding that is a key to management at this point and leadership. So, uh, just being aware of what they want is different. It doesn't make it bad. It doesn't make it wrong. Right. It's just different. Yes. And, you know, I, mean, I just had a wonderful 86-year-old, a dynamic woman, 86-year-young. I mean, uh, Gazelle mm-hmm. Huff, which I highly recommend people listen to her show. And she was in the educational system um, for many, many decades. And, you know, she's advocating, we're not doing justice to our kids because mm-hmm. we're not preparing them for the new living with with technology. We're making Mm -hmm. technology an enemy where it's actually could be our friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, if we taught them how to actually grow with the technology Mm -hmm. and use the technology to their advantage, it wouldn't be such a divide. It would also open up their creativity to other things that they Mm -hmm. could discover and do. And so a lot of people that are coming out of the educational system as it is now on the old archaic paradigm of teaching it, it they looked at the present and the future and said but this there is an incoherence here that you know mm-hmm. it's not melding together something yeah. is missing yeah yeah I think that's such a great thing to highlight um it's just the the difference I have two young kids and it's so vastly different mm-hmm. uh, with what they're learning versus what I'm learning and I think that there is the the demonizing of technology yeah. but I also see it as such a great thing because I have access so quickly mm-hmm. to resources for them yes. and just highlighting all the ways that it can be a, a pertinent thing um for usage but um, yeah, I think that's such a great highlight from her. She sounds like an amazing person. Yeah, yeah, definitely, most certainly. Uh, you know, and a lot of the discord that's going on in life, because we're in this transition, we're in high glass disruption, we take on a lot. You know, I had a show on last week mm-hmm. about, you know, the sorrow we're feeling. And I'm an empath, and a lot of people are sensitive. And they're mm-hmm. feeling, you know, the pressure you know, 33 million people displaced in Pakistan, even the Queen's death, which was an end of an era, you know, and just the impact of what she had on people of of that dedication for 70 years, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There was just a sense of, you know, sorrow Mm -hmm. that for people like me, you pick it up. And we, we, we have to look at, yes, the stuff going on in the world. And we can't get out and heal it all concentrate on what you can do what difference Mm -hmm. can you make a in your life so you can make a difference in even one person's life because if we all did that Mm -hmm. then everybody would be accounted for right everybody would have somebody looking out for them 
we can't get out and heal the whole world, but we can help one person. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love that you highlighted empathy. It is, I believe, a skill to learn as mm. well as curiosity and kind of ending the, the the judgment that we can sometimes feel. Judgment, I think, is normal. I think it's something that we can experience based on influences that we've had. Mm. But I think that the tendency um, to just be aware of it and how it can impact others and just tapping into empathy of understanding other people's experiences. Compassion. Um, just Yes, compassion and just understanding globally that uh, there are people that are really deep feelers. Mm -hmm. And I use personality assessments all the time with clients because it helps me understand them on a different level, helps yes. me understand their tendencies yes. and what might be potentially um, getting in the way of even communicating with other people. Um, but I think it, it's so key to highlight that we can have feelings and those feelings don't have to control us. They don't right. have to consume um, us over, <laughs> right. Overpower the choices that we need to yeah. make. Um, and it's, it's finding ways to manage them. And mm. I've definitely been through my own path and journey with that. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And I think just to hear to your point, it's being, being present for other people. Mm. And the thing that I see constantly on social media is just ask people if they're okay. Yes. And that is enough, right? Yes. That is just enough. That yes. is something to see how you can help someone else. It's simple. And, you know, sometimes uh, like if I'm in a down mood, I love to watch the videos on children or on, on rescue, you know, rescuing dogs and things like that. Things that show you humanity doing things yeah. you know, out of um, being unselfish and, and rescuing mm -hmm. and, and the spirit of people, because mm -hmm. the media will always focus on the negative. And I think we're all negatively drenched right now. Yes. And we mm -hmm. desperately need things that show us hope, show us a reason to carry on, mm -hmm. show us mm -hmm. even some in, um, incentive and also creativity in how to carry on. And if we fed that, you know, mm -hmm. that possibility of a different canvas, we could do mm -hmm. so much more for our own psyche, couldn't we? Yes, absolutely. It taps into innovation. We're all mm. wired differently. Even if we have similarities, we've all had experiences that are different. And if you're tapping into something that gives you that creativity, that innovation, just imagine what you can do with yeah. it. If you have hope, you can do anything. You can yes. move forward, right? It's just being willing to kind of turn off the negativity. I think sometimes we get kind of sucked into the negativity trap. Mm, very um, easily. Yes, it the is easy. The pimple into a volcanic eruption. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's easy, I think, for humanity, just in general, just yeah. to kind of watch all the negativity spiral and get caught up in it. But if we decide to turn that off and stay present mm. and stay in the moment of what creates joy and innovation, life is so different. If, um, if we stepped into gratitude, yes. I mean, mm -hmm. again, I'm going back to Gazelle because she, she was an inspirational thing, but she was um, uh, four when the war broke out mm -hmm. and uh, lost 18 of her family members. And her mother and her escaped to the south of France. This was in France, she was mm -hmm. Jewish, French Jewish, and pretended they were Catholic. And, mm -hmm. you know, her mother worked in the black market just to make ends meet but she could have lost her life at any time. So this yeah. young girl at the age of four, but she doesn't remember anything before four because she only remembers those five years of living on the edge of not knowing, was mum going to make it home? Are we going to get caught? You know, uh, what's going to happen? And then they moved to the land of dreams and promise in America. 
and they lived in gratitude for the freedom they had and I think a lot of the time we forget that mm-hmm. I think we forget that every day you wake up is a gift and mm-hmm. if you look at it as being grateful for the possibilities that lie before you today you mm-hmm. can change your whole psyche and well-beingness I think even on that attitude yeah yeah I think it's it's sometimes we get kind of caught in the weeds and it yes. can be difficult to separate the stress that's happening and actually pull ourselves back yeah uh, and actually see the gratitude and I think that's experiential as well so I think what you're going through and it depends on the stress reaction of your body um but you know, every study that I have read that shows that gratitude and affirmations to some degree can pull you out of that. Yes. So it's again, kind of choosing the perspective that you want to have, but it's, it can be so helpful just to show gratitude and even a small act of gratitude with Mm. someone else or to someone else. It is so powerful. The mindset shift that can happen. So lifting. And that's really what we're wanting to do right now. You know, people are kind of feeling heavy in the gut, you know, heavy in the heart. And it's Mm -hmm. about, you know, uplifting and sometimes Mm -hmm. doing acts that can help someone else can be incredibly uplifting for all concerned, right? right? It can lift you right out of something. And I think, again, you know, it's not about the masses. It's about Mm -hmm. the one and then the one the domino effect right and we could all do that we can lift each other up and i think that is also something that um you know we why do we see so much of the heart attacks you know you know is it a lifestyle um is it stress because stress as far as i'm concerned Mm -hmm. is the number one killer because it brings about the dis-ease and the breakdown of the body and the psyche and everything else but you know, are people getting these heart attacks, not just because of, you know, what they're eating or lack of exercises or gen- and generic, is it because there's a the feeling of a heavy heart? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, you know, definitely in research that I've done and studied and um, stress is a major part of it. Um, just looking at the, the the patients that I would see during the time that I worked in cardiology, um, you know, again, everybody experiences stress to different degrees and levels, but you know, I, I just, uh, I think of often, you know, the, again, the people who have made pretty significant changes and maybe stress is the one thing they're like, oh, I can, I can, you know, push that to the back burner. It's not mm-hmm. that big of a deal. Um, and they are in, you know, just really stressful either periods of time in their personal lives or taking on a lot of professional stress. I just, uh, you know, I often I wonder, you know, outcomes if they would have been different, if that would have been pushed to the front burner instead. Yes. And dealt with rather yes. than it's stewing in the background yes. and getting yeah. out of proportion. Mm-hmm. yeah. But we're not taught that, though, are we? We're taught mm-hmm. to suck it up, you mm-hmm. know, uh, be mm-hmm. strong, push through. And mm-hmm. no, we're not taught to spend our emotions. If you're unhappy, mm-hmm. if you're angry, if you're depressed, spend the emotion. Just don't yeah. get emotional about the emotion, but mm-hmm. spend it, go through it, because that's how we disperse mm-hmm. it. But we're told right. to just suck it up and suppress it. Yeah. 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 I think that is one of the differences that I'm seeing is that the, the newer, you know, Gen Z generation, they are aware a little bit more emotionally aware than I think any other generation. And the fear with older generations is that they're going to let emotions drive their decisions. Yes. And I think that having emotional awareness is incredibly helpful and healthy. And I don't think 
that it will be an emotion driver if we can have conversation around mm-hmm. it of how to manage them. And I think a lot of, you know, there are a lot of researchers like Brene Brown, who constantly does research and talking about emotional IQ. Um, but I think that the, the more that we allow people to feel and be human, it actually adds to connectivity. It adds to those relationships improving. And again, the ability for people to just draw off of one another and the world be a better place because we're actually helping each other and not being so segregated of, you know, I have like this experience and it's, you know, different than yours. So yours is, yours is wrong. Mine is right. right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The talking about it, you know, I'm very blessed that my son uh, just turning 38 is in mm-hmm. a, a conversationist. He talks about things. He encourages his staff to talk mm-hmm. about things that they're worried about, even if it's personal, because they're bringing it to work. You know, how can we help? Do you want to just talk about it and let it go? And it creates more of a, an environment of trust and, mm-hmm. and a, of loyalty and of community, right? Mm-hmm. And and his father was completely on uh, opposite to that. You know, it, it's a sign of weakness to talk mm-hmm. about problems or to talk about emotions and everything mm-hmm. else. And we're seeing, you know, such a generation change where we're understanding that talking it out is and especially to to people who are receptive to hearing you mm-hmm. is a way of releasing the stress and the pain and the anguish and the blockages and mm-hmm. allowing you to have that clean slate in order to move forward more decisively yeah yeah people are brilliant mm-hmm. the more i have worked with people it is fascinating to me because just tapping into the the emotions and the ability to process and the ability to find their own solutions is incredible. Um, and I and I think you know the the old mentality of, of suck it up. It's just like you have to drown your emotions because mm-hmm. you cannot let them win. You know, yes, this a little bit already. But um, I say I see you know just different things and going through my own you know mental health journey and my own um, awareness journey. I talk to my kids. I have two sons that are ten and eight, and they've been through hard stuff already. Um, I'm divorced, and they've been through that with me. And we constantly have conversations of. Um, they, how are you doing? We do check-ins because it's so important for them to understand what that looks like. And, you know, if we're modeling that now, yes. I feel like they'll be able to model it to their kids later, or even in relationships at school. Um, so it's relationships think- and anything they do in life, mm-hmm. every interaction you have with someone is a relationship on some level, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And if they can feel yeah. confident within themselves to mm-hmm. express themselves, articulate themselves, mm-hmm. then that is going to be more rewarding in any relationship that they have. Yeah. Yeah. And I think teaching vulnerability, like comfortable vulnerability, yes. there's, there's a difference. It's funny when I talk to leaders, they're like, gosh, you know, you're so vulnerable and like what you share it's, it's transparency to some degree with mild vulnerability. Yeah. It's not like I have to share everything, but I'll share the pieces that I feel like I can relate with people. And I think that it builds again, that trust and it yes. builds the ability to really relate and be like, Hey, I haven't walked in your shoes directly, but I can understand you on this level. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to know that I see you. And that changes conversations. It changes relationships. And to your point with your, your son, who's 38, he's making a huge impact because yeah. no, what happens is 
he, he allows people to come to work and be human. And then mm. they're allowed to go home and be human. Yes. There's no disconnect there. Right. Everybody gets to be who they are, regardless of where they're at. Right. And that's what people want right now. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's a, there's just, there's been so much um, of the societal expectation. And this has gone on for eons and eons. You're only successful if, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you have the big house, you know, you have the prestige, you have this and that, that deems you as happy and successful. I can't tell you how many people I've interviewed that had all of that, that were miserable as hell, that maybe have even had the heart attacks and the divorces, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. now living a much more humble life where they feel so much more enriched and abundant, Mm -hmm. because they no longer bought into that expectation, which is an illusionment, a little illusionment, right? And especially with social media, how many likes, how many followers, how many, who cares? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Mm-hmm. What impact are you having with one person? Yeah. One person. Yeah. Stop worrying about the 5,000. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I ended up working in an urgent care and in um, a university setting after I left cardiology and um, the number of anxiety and depression I saw that I believe was related to social media was mm. insane. Yeah. Just the, you know, college age. Yes. Um, kids just trying to find their way and then having all this pressure of what the the highlight reels on social media look like, Mm -hmm. um, causing so much stress and they're already stressed enough going to college, being Mm -hmm. away from parents. And, um, yeah, that is, that is something absolutely, absolutely real to, to manage right now. Because they don't really know the difference at that stage because they haven't really been in discovery of who they are. So they're trying to see themselves through this delusional expectation Mm -hmm. Uh, rather than because when we don't teach our kids to do the inner work we don't teach them to connect to their own hearts souls and spirits and to Mm -hmm. find the love of self in there if we did Mm -hmm. we would have a much more functional society out there (laughs) right oh you love yourself or you must be narcissistic Mm -hmm. no i have love Mm -hmm. for myself that means Mm -hmm. i'm truly abundant in who i am and i wish to share that love with everyone else Right. right. It's a yeah. totally different frequency and vibration. And I feel mm-hmm. a much healthier one. Right. Absolutely. And it's not narcissistic. It's not anything like that. It's just the awareness self-care. of, <laughs> right. It is, it is self-care yeah. and it's self-awareness. And that honestly, you can give that away. That is yeah. healthy influence. Yes. And that is something that can be modeled and that yes. doesn't really show up as selfish to me. No. That shows up, that shows up to me as humble, confident, secure. When you're lo- looking at somebody who's done their inner work, you can tell, mm. yes. you can tell who they are, that they've done the work and they just, they show up differently. Mm-hmm. Then they actually, you can feel them before they even turn up mm-hmm. because the, the yeah. energy of them is so much more exuberant, you know, mm-hmm. because they feel confident who they are, unapologetic mm-hmm. and who they are. I am what I am. If I'm not your cup of tea, that's fine. I'm not going mm-hmm. to change to suit mm-hmm. you. The people that see me and feel me will be attracted to me and vice versa. Okay. And I think that's another important thing for people of any age uh, is it's not about the masses. It's about your tribe, your orchestra. It is about your community where you can help one another because you are on that same frequency. And that's really where it's important, right? The village. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's walking through life with people who will have your back and that yeah. can shift. I, you yes. know, I don't know if that's been your experience, but in oh, motherhood, yeah, yeah. that has, <laughs> yes, that is definitely shifted for me just realizing who was in my tribe and, and it, and it can change based on, you know, what your aspirations are, I feel like. And the thing is, if it does shift, you like you have a bestie they go through everything with you and all of a sudden they walk away for some reason uh, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah you're going to go for a sense of loss right or confusion mm-hmm. but you've got to understand they're on their own journey that's not in alignment with yours so just wish them well and you're here if they find their way back and if not it's just hope that they find themselves on that journey it's yeah. uh it, they're not out to get you it's mm-hmm. just they're taking right. a different journey from yours. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I've also found, you know, kind of doing my own work with community that there's always another tribe that's waiting yes. in their arms for you and yes. build community with you. So that's that's been my experience. And that's been something I've learned over the past several years, just kind of going through that. But Do you find that people really, quite honestly, today would just prefer people to be their authentic selves and no BS. I do believe that. I do believe that if we had the, just, and maybe had the audacity to show up like we are <laughs> and be able to just be like, Hey, this is what I can bring. These are, this is the strength that I have. And I'm not good at that. And just be honest, life would be so much easier. <laughs> it would be, yeah, it would take the guesswork out of everything of like, Hey, you know what? I know this person. They're awesome at this. This, you know, isn't their strength, but it's okay. Sarah, I lost you. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Um, I had a dog barking, so I muted and I didn't get to unmute again. Um, it, It also helps people with the transparency of who you are and what you can do, what you can't. You're not going to go to somebody who is a particular personality type and ask them to be something they're not. Right. Right. You're yeah. going to you're going to see the abundance, who they really are. And and that is what you're going to ask them to participate with. And I think if mm-hmm. we're so scared to show ourselves of who we really are, why we really are, and be apologetic over ourselves, which my generation most certainly was that uh, you know the pushback why don't you just conform mm-hmm. you know that isn't a word I'm allergic to and I come up in a rash you know, <laughs> conformity something I battled with all the time so I was the rebel because I yeah. couldn't conform we don't want people to conform we want people to collaborate mm-hmm. we want people cohesively to be able to work together and support one another in each mm-hmm. other's light Yes. No. And, oh my goodness, I could tell you stories of conformity. Uh, Please do share one, share one. (laughs) Sure. Oh my goodness. Um, I think it goes back even to just the, the conformity of uh, like getting married and Mm -hmm. having the, the pressure to have kids early. And I feel like if I could say anything to 20 year old girls, it would be, don't feel that pressure. Don't put that pressure on yourself there's pressure because of um, the concern of not having healthy children after 35 years old. And that's false. That's, you know, 
Boulder Dash. <laughs> right. So it's just, you know, I would say do the work on yourself first because yes. you will never regret that work ever, ever, ever. You will no. never regret being a self-aware, healthy individual going into a marriage if that's what you choose, but make it your choice. Don't make it the society, you know, the choice of society, be you and be healthy and go after the goals that you have and don't let society choose what those are for you. Right. And your partner needs to be one that is supportive of your growth and vice versa. It is, right. you know, you're in a partnership. You're mm -hmm. in a relationship. It's not like, well, I stopped growing now or I stopped being now. It's the strength of, a, of an us is the two mm -hmm. individuals being strong in their own individual selves and then bringing themselves together in an us that complements each other. Not complete, folks. Mm -hmm. Complement. Correct. Yeah, I think that was the the lie that I believed yes. <laughs> before going into marriage. It was like, okay, I'm going to be complete. That was what I was taught. I wanted to get married. You know, you go yep. into like all these the happy ever after. <laughs> yes, happily ever after, which nobody told you it was work. Nobody right. told you it was like the consistency of like the back and forth. And just what you said, it's a compliment. It's mm. not, there's no completion. There's never completion. It's a compliment and there's consistent work that goes into it. Um, so just knowing that and, um, yeah, if you don't have somebody who's a willing partner to do the same amount of work that you're doing, that's, that's a lot of stress. Um, and yeah. I think that, and it's not, it's not a good balance, mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. that, um, you know, you hear, well, you're not, you're not the woman I married. No, I hope mm -hmm. not. I <laughs> hope I'm for always growing. I hope I'm always, you know, seeking out new new ways of living and looking and being and everything, you know, that is part of life's growth. And right. if you want the old one, we're too late, catch up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree with that. And, and I think, you know, I think being, you know, in the position that I am with going through divorce and I've talked to several different people being in that situation, but there's always the feeling, I think, you know, maybe for both sides, but for me specifically, I will say that there was always a feeling I could do more mm. and I could always do more and do more. But then there was the reality at the one point I'm like, I can't do anymore. I right. feel like I've given everything. Burnt out. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was just the reality of, you know, if I stay in this relationship, am I going to be the healthiest, best version of myself? And the answer was no. I came to that conclusion and I was like, you know what? I'm not doing anybody favors. I'm not doing my kids favors by staying. And, um, in, you know, as hard as that decision was, it was, I think the, the best decision. So I could show up and be authentic and be the best version of giving back because I wouldn't have been in that relationship. And, um, my, my former husband and I, we talk about it and we have a really good relationship now, very unusual, I think, given what I've heard and what I've experienced just talking with other people, mm -hmm. but, you know, we talk about those hard conversations that we had and, and, um, he was, you know, he's honest. He's like, I wasn't that person. And I don't think I ever could be. And right. it's like, wow, that's, that's growth for him too. So, um, but yeah, it's, and I, I think that we can't limit ourselves either for what society thinks is best for us. We yes. have to choose that on our own still. Yes. There, there's, there's no life by numbers. You know, Correct. you there's yeah. many a time you've got to paint outside of those lines, you know, other yes. just forget those lines altogether. There's yes. compasses, you mm -hmm. know, there's a there's a guidance symbol as a system right. which can help you walk forward so you're not going off a cliff. 
But, you know, each step that we take in life, if we look at it more wondrously and a sense of adventure and a discovery, self-discovery, you know, instead of anticipation or intimidation, you know, mm-hmm. if we just took the deep breath and go, okay, I'm willing to explore. Now, you mm-hmm. said you've done, you know, personality studying and I, I'm a true colors coach, which I don't know if this is the same. So the four key personalities. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever read the book, Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson. It's been a long time since I've read that book, but it, which, I have read. Yes. Which is, you know, it's such a simple book about, you know, people changing. It's about two men and two mice around abundance of cheese. And one day the cheese is gone and the mice sniffy and scurry sniff out and scurry around for more hem and ha well ha eventually realizes they're hungry and they need to go looking for cheese and hem just wants to sue somebody give me back my cheese i'm not moving until you do not realizing they're being an own detriment to themselves and when you have that kind of personality it's hard for those kind of people to move on because it does become about the blame game yeah yeah i would agree with that the the different, you know, they're like you mentioned the, the different personalities, there can be some pretty significant struggles if, if you're not self-aware, honestly, that's the piece of it. And also being aware of who your partner is on the other yes. side of that. And can you be supportive in that role, regardless of if they're different from you or not? Um, and, and what are the communicational skills between each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, um, you know not to talk to him about ABC when he's in that frame of mind or you need to approach it differently and vice versa. It's kind mm-hmm. of being respectful for where we're at mm-hmm. at that time and not imposing your desire mm-hmm. or opinion on someone, you know, um, when they're not ready to receive it or can't receive it in the way you're presenting it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the company that I work with is called giant and they have a bunch of different tools and strategies and different personality assessments that we use. But one of the key things that, that I've learned, and um, it's been super helpful is that the way that I want to communicate, like you mentioned, isn't, it's not the same as how somebody else would take communication. So somebody might have the communication style of critique where mine is more clarify, like ask me questions, make sure you're getting the details that you need. Um, where somebody else is like, wow, you're doing a terrible job at this or, you know, like a little harder, you know, tone. And that's just not how I respond well in in the communication style. So um, if you're a nurturer. Yes. I'm so I, yeah, more of a nurturer, I would say more of an empath. Similarly, Exactly. And you can't, you can't be anything else other than that, because Mm -hmm. that actually is your forte. That is your gift, Mm -hmm. but the tools that you use and how you use them will Mm -hmm. be different to somebody else who more mm-hmm. is maybe a, a, an enforcer or even a motivator right. uh, because the motivator is more rah-rah. And you can't do mm-hmm. that to people who are in that very sensitive spot right. where they need that nurturer to help them through something because they are falling to bits at that moment. Right. And yeah. for a motivator to just say, suck it up and do this and that. No, that's too mm-hmm. shattering. Mm-hmm. You need yeah. that loving, empathic nurturer to say, it's okay, let's put you back mm-hmm. together. So yeah. you're strong enough for the motivator and to take that next stage. But it is, you can have the wrong person Mm -hmm. at the wrong time and they can do more damage than good. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And the team, you know, just talking about team dynamics and things, um, it is so incredibly important to realize where people are at. Yes. And, you know, and even if you are a leadership style as a motivator, it's being aware that they can't take it. So I have to really back off 
and yes. I have to kind of take more of the nurturer role right now. And then I have to be able to understand when I can challenge them again. Um, and who so to it, refer to if it's not your forte? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you, you, you need to you yeah. need to speak to Becky yeah. right now. You know, she's <laughs> yeah. she's that next stage for you. I'm here mm -hmm. when you're ready. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not making a person feel less than because they're not ready for it. But you know what? Becky's good for you at this particular yeah. stage in your life, yes. right? And it's knowing yeah. that, and that's where the teamwork is there. Yes, yeah, and that's why collaboration, I think, is so key and mm. so important in in the workspace. Is that we're finding that teams that work better together, mm. no, you know, no wonder they like working together. It's mm. just like they have the ability to show up authentically. They have the ability yes. to just see who they are. But then you get to highlight the strengths of each team member. Mm. And then the, you know, the basis of that is people bring in higher revenue as far as a business and, mm. you know, higher profitability. But, you know, as far as I'm a people person, I'm like, I want to work with people that I like. I don't yeah. want to work with people that I just don't, you know, appreciate me or value me. I wouldn't want to be in that space. Right. Basically what it is, is, is putting people together under the same umbrella that complement each other, but each one of them is a different instrument you know, mm -hmm. in this orchestra Sorry. of life. But the orchestra's piece of music has to be something, a philosophy that everybody agrees with. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. right. They just approach it in a different way. And that's the thing is if, if, you know, the orchestra was all violins or all trumpets, it would be very boring. You mm -hmm. need everybody's instrument in there at the right time. Mm -hmm. in the right place, you know, um, for it to build and be that invitation. And that's really what a good team is about. Mm -hmm. But the philosophy yeah. is this music has to uplift. It has mm -hmm. to liberate. It has to help mm -hmm. people become whole with themselves so they can walk forward. Right? right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's such a beautiful way to put it. It's just how beautiful is an orchestra mm -hmm. or how amazing is a sports team? I think yes. it's like the women's soccer team. And I'm yes. like, oh my gosh, they're incredible. Just how they know each other and mm. how they can function so smoothly. What if we did that more so in everyday life? With right. the teams that we're in? How amazing would our work lives be? You know, they say there's no I in team. And, and I have a, a little contradiction with that one, because um, if I don't bring myself to the team mm -hmm. as, a, as an even player, then mm -hmm. what is the team? You know, we, we need to take ownership and responsibility and accountability and understand our mm -hmm. own participation in that team, right? Mm -hmm. It's not abstaining from being your I, it's bringing your best I forward to help right. the team. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that perspective because if there's not some form of what you can bring, then what is the team? What is the team? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, um, people will see something and they go, oh, I really love what they're doing. And then think, but I don't fit. Well, maybe mm -hmm. you're only looking at it from one angle. Try looking at it at a different angle. Uh, you know, through a Becky lens, and then you say, oh, okay, there is a place mm -hmm. for me, right? It just, there isn't the one size fits all. Turn it around like a Rubik's Cube, and you'll see there's many different views and interpretations of it, that, and somewhere along the line, you'll fit. Right, yeah, yeah. And I think it's the ability to be able to share, because I think some people don't feel like they can even share that they don't feel like they fit. Right. Um, or they can, you know, find somewhere within that, that position or team or organization where they just feel like they can be. So they'll just take themselves out of the equation altogether. Right. 
-hmm. you know even the water boy in the game is just as important right you mm -hmm. know like the i'm always saying about the the janitor in mm -hmm. a big huge company you're off to mm -hmm. see the ceo of the big castle up in the sky but if mm -hmm. the elevator is dirty the hallways are dirty your interpretation or perception of that ceo has changed and yeah, so everybody absolutely. has a role to play mm -hmm. and it's it doesn't matter you don't have to be the big ceo nobody's saying that that is what success is it's okay. taking pride Mm -hmm. in your role whatever your role is and doing it because it brings you yeah. pleasure because you know it makes a difference in other people's lives yeah yeah no I agree with that and I, I would say I still see within the, the clients that I work with right now I still see some of the um, anticipation mm. or even um you know, I hate to call it impatience, but there's still kind of that mentality of like wanting more. Mm. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. No, but I think nope. sometimes it's not wrapped up in, um, it's the why. either it's the why they're trying to figure yeah. themselves out of, yeah. okay, so what's, what is this about me? And mm. it's, it's tapping into that to some degree of like, okay, why are you experiencing this? Mm -hmm. so like something you mentioned before, it's just kind of letting them sit there. Yeah. Like, okay. Let's stay here for a minute. Mm -hmm. What are you experiencing and why? Let's get a little bit deeper into that self-discovery phase and really highlight to me, like, why does this matter? Mm. So. There's so much, you know, one thing we don't look at in Western medicine is prevention, mm -hmm. right? You know, and even, yeah. you know, when we're looking at cure, it is, it's never the root cure. It's mm -hmm. the surface cure. Um, and I think if we kind of embrace some of other cultures way of looking at our health, where it is, you know, the well-beingness, the wholeness mm -hmm. of your health is where mm -hmm. it's important, which does mean, you know, your soul, heart, spirit, mind and body need to be in sync with each other. And you need to feel that balance in there so mm -hmm. nothing is being stretched beyond its capability and yeah. there's so much preventative stuff we can do mm -hmm. either like meditation or being able to talk it out handling our stress in a way whether maybe going for a run or listening to some music mm -hmm. we've got to make that discovery of ourselves don't we of mm -hmm. what is it that gives us our deep breath and our equilibrium mm -hmm. absolutely it's I just did a lecture with the uh, uh, PA school. So school where they're training physician assistants and they'll be coming out of rotations by the end of this year. And, you know, it's interesting. I remember being in that position and I remember specifically learning about disease. We're taught about, you know, diabetes, hypertension, management, all these chronic diseases. And I remember doing uh, like a dietetics class, which was three hours of that semester. That was it. Three hours. Mm, I know. I'm like, this is such a disservice to my yes, patients because exactly. I can't help them with that amount of knowledge. That's no. not even much. No. And I, I feel like the, the spectrum of healthcare, the way we are headed, we will embrace a lot of that preventative care. It's just going to take time and a lot of people speaking up. And so, a lot of people taking um, accountability over their own health. My doctor mm -hmm. can only help me here. But in he's not the be all or she's not the be all or the end all. Yeah. I need to find other avenues or other people who are going to help mm -hmm. me here and, and realize mm -hmm. that you. I know that like in the case of my sister, her last doctor, if you taught mm -hmm. anything holistic, he would go berserk and make it sound mm -hmm. like it would kill her. 
right? Mm -hmm. So yep. it's finding a doctor that goes, and I used to have one you know, because my, mm -hmm. my ex-husband is Chinese and she go, look, this is your problem. Does he have any Chinese medicine that can help you? And it was mm -hmm. always be, how can you marry the two together? And we have mm -hmm. to look at that at life, isn't it? Is that yeah. you need various different other mediums in order to find the whole balance. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I completely hear that. The, the problem I think with, with traditional, with medicine um, that I was taught is that we're taught all on research-based theory. Yes. So it's all research-based. If there's no research, then they completely dismiss it right out the gate. They're like, well, show me the article, show me the article in the PubMed or New England Journal of Medicine that can prove that. And then I'll be on board. It's not that. What about the experience? Exactly. The practical experience speaks mm -hmm. so much louder than a few words on a piece of paper. Exactly. Exactly. I just think that we're doing such a an injustice mm -hmm. for what we could be doing to partner with patients and help them and using those preventative medicine strategies because we're not sharing that information with them. That's not readily available. No. Yeah, I'm going back to my brother for a moment, you know, because you talk about just, you know, one thing he had a cardiologist and he said he, a really nice guy and uh, he, where he was at the hospital happened to be a nice hospital, but he has prostate and kidney problems. Oh, no, we don't deal with that here. Mm -hmm. And it's like it, it, it is the part of the whole, the, the one is putting stress on the other. Mm -hmm. You know, why aren't you getting those doctors in mm -hmm. to consult on that and then have a little conversation together of mm -hmm. what? medicine or what treatment could help him as a whole instead yeah. of sections you know yeah. and it's that's where I really feel it is such a letdown it's a you know no no I only deal in that forget about anything else and then mm -hmm. you can't find anyone else on the other they, they right. don't talk to each other no, again, this goes back to communication with yes. the practitioners. There's such a, you know, the silos within medicine of I take care of kidney, you know, disease and hypertension. I take care of cardiology. I'm the primary care physician, but I'm kind of overseeing yeah. what, well, you know, what all these specialists are doing. They need and a conductor. Yeah, they need, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I, I see so much polypharmacy in patient, in patients too, where they're just on all these medications. Nobody wants to pull them off of the medicines. They're too afraid. Right. Like, well, you know, this person prescribed it for you. They must be there for a reason. Well, then they're coming back to that physician or that practitioner and they're still not pulling the patient off of the medication, even though they could be. So there's yeah. just not a lot of communication that's happening. And, um, and again, the patients are the ones that are suffering from all yeah. of this, but going back to your point, but what if we as providers, we as practitioners started taking better care of ourselves and we started having voices within the, within the systems and the environments that we're in, that trickle-down effect would be then massive because we start to think, okay, well, we have the capacity then to start thinking about preventative medicine, what we yes. can actually be doing in our facilities. We have the capacity to actually pull some research from other areas mm. and see how it's been affecting other people's lives. But we just don't have that ability with being stressed and not having enough staff to take care of the patients that we have. We don't we have good don't conductors. Have yes. Exactly. We really need good conductors that can recognize that, you know, that piece of music, this piece of music, these would go really well together and have a good impact. Absolutely. And if you don't yeah. have that conductor of bringing everyone together, mm -hmm. then you have discompartmentalized dysfunction and mm -hmm. we're not addressing the mm -hmm. whole. And I think this is where 
the anxiety comes in. This is where the depression comes in. This is where the body starts dis diseasing because mm -hmm. it's, you know, ill at ease. And it's, right. uh, you go, if you go to a therapist because you're depressed, well, what makes you depressed? Talk about your mother. You know, it's mm -hmm. the always standard thing that they go to. And they're not looking at, the, well, this part of the body is not functioning mm -hmm. properly. Is it a mental thing? Or mm -hmm. is the mental thing being formed because of the distress of the physical thing? Right. Why yeah. are you separating? It's, it is yeah. one of the same, you know, they're affecting yeah. each other. Yeah. 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 And I think to that point, we have to really advocate for our own health. Yes. And really, you know, this is where technology is a brilliant thing because we have access to so many different providers that we wouldn't have had access to before right. and so much more knowledge than we wouldn't have had access to before. So we have the ability to you know, sometimes heal ourselves because we can gain access to that, that wisdom and knowledge that other people have had. Um, well, it's people like yourself, you know, you've left the you know, the, the bedside, so to speak, and created a different arena, but you're not alone. You're within a company of other like people, each in their own department, where you can communicate with each other. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure you will have somebody who go, you know, I have this client and mm -hmm. I, I need maybe some consult of somebody else mm -hmm. on what to do. And that's, yeah. again, is the teamwork. That, again, is the village where you feel safe enough to go and talk to one of your colleagues mm -hmm. and go, okay, I'd like some, I like a point of view here, but yeah. how do you see doctors doing that with each other? Yeah. Yeah. There has to be, I think this overhaul of what real communication looks like, and it is complex, especially in medicine. And there's so much resistance because it goes back that we've always done it this way. Yeah. And why would we change it when it's always worked? Well, it's not working. It's not working. <laughs> and would the you please look at the statistics? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The perception is it's working, but they're yeah. seeing they're seeing the crisis now that's happening. Yeah. Um, so they are, you know, some places are a little bit more open to different ideas. And I think there are so many voices now that are, you know, even in the the clinician realm of, hey, you know what? We're seeing 400 doctors commit suicide every year. Why is that right. happening? You know, there's just some startling statistics that are just now coming out and we're mm. like, okay, there's a problem. And COVID did help open the doors on this, but, yeah. um, but yeah, we, we have such a broken system and I just, again, think of the ripple effects that will happen once we're more, uh, you know, we're aligned with our, with our patients, but we have to be aligned with ourselves first. Yeah. So as clinicians, they really need alignment first. Right. And I've been saying this for, I don't know how many years, so many that I, uh, can't, I don't even know where it started, but if we want to see change in the world, you don't ask the politicians to create the change. Mm -hmm. You ask the people to create the change that the politicians will adopt. Mm -hmm. We are the change creators. Mm -hmm. We see a need. We as people step up to fulfill that need. And then that becomes the pattern that the politicians will uh, adhere to. Do not ask them to be creative because right. they'll always go to an old paradigm. Well, that looks right. like it's working. Just go with that, right? right? And we need yeah. to teach the politicians mm -hmm. who are meant to be representatives of the people mm -hmm. to listen to the people on what is working and put the money behind that, put the yeah. support behind that. But we mm -hmm. know that when there ever is a problem, humans have an incredible um, ability to come together to mm -hmm. create and find a solution. 
And we need to get behind that more because we put too much pressure on doctors as being lifesavers when they're only operating from a particular part of the cake, you know, not the whole cake. And it's um, we treat them like gods. And when they let us down, you know, we treat them then like devils. And it's like you're asking them to be everything where they're in, it's not part of their thing to be everything. Yeah. You need all the other people in the, in the uh, you know, in the recipe as well. And if we want to see the change, we've got to step up and be it. And that means first and foremost, be the change in your own life. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. got to be willing to take that work and go through that process of whatever you need to do to let mm-hmm. go, to rebalance, to find that equilibrium that you can operate on that you can then mm-hmm. be creative from that you can't serve anyone else if you're dying of oxygen you know lack of oxygen yourself right you right first work on yourself and then you will have the energy and the vision and the desire to get up and be a part of that equation absolutely yeah yeah you cannot liberate anyone else if you are yourself not liberated nope. it's impossible yeah it is impossible you can hold on to every paradigm from the past you can hold on with every last you know white knuckling everything yeah. but unless you can let go and just embrace your authentic who you are and like step into the gifts that you have you cannot influence you don't have as much power with influence you don't have um, you know, you don't feel free yourself. So you then can't liberate anybody else to be who they are authentically. And that's, that's a hard concept, I think for, um, physicians, especially because they're almost taught, like, I have to know all the answers. And then when they don't, they're like, oh my gosh, how are, what's the perception going to be of me if I don't have that answer? So to some degree, there's got to be that stigma that's broken. Mm. Um, it's okay not to have all the answers, but I guarantee somebody on your team does. And to ask, yeah, you know, and they feel okay. less than if they have to go and mm-hmm. ask where they should feel, you know, the mm-hmm. enrichment is in mm-hmm. all of us doctors, mm-hmm. you know, being able to come to one another with mm-hmm. a patient problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, I yeah. just, it's so logical. I don't understand why it's not happening. Yeah. Yeah, I know there, you know, there or going back to the the hospital days and things, there are routinely these tumor boards and different boards that the physicians would have discussing complicated cases with patients. And I think I'm like, man, if we could do that more often with more patients yes. and not feel that stigma of I don't yeah. have the answer here, I'm presenting something, that alone would change things. Right because you have the ability just to gain access with some knowledge from somebody, something somebody else has seen. So it's just like Mm. the ability to ask. But also it doesn't have to only be in the Western medical field. Correct. Correct. And that you look at the other modalities that are working Mm -hmm. uh, and go, you know, I think that this would be very good for my patient. Yeah. Right. But there is still the, the them and us. Yes. The alternative, yeah. well, if you look at the alternative, it's generally been around thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Western medicine, not that long. And Western medicine has saved incredible amount of lives. Right. But if you need to marry the two together and yeah. both have to see the benefit of each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just think of, you know, how much advocacy that we as patients then have, if mm. we can bring awareness, you know, talking about just being influential, 
continuing to bring up, you know, what about this? What about if I did this for my own health and kind of just bringing about some different topics or options that maybe they're not thinking about that maybe eventually they will be okay with exploring um, if they're in the right mindset potentially, but. I I remember in the nineties, I was like on eight antibiotics a year. Mm. which is just pulling my immune system down. And then I discovered a company, a nutritional company, and I went on a complete nutritional regime. And I remember mentioning to my doctor about echinacea mm-hmm. and, and these herbs that were working. And, and he was saying, oh, it will put me out of business. That was his comment to it. I went to see him a few months later with my daughter. And he looked at me and said, you look well. And I said, yeah. I am. What are you doing? I told him about the nutritionals and like he wasn't, you know, he just didn't have a comment for it. But later when I went in there for something else, have you tried echinacea? Have you tried this and that? So the influence of seeing me being well on all of these things, obviously he went and looked into it and is now referring it. But at Mm -hmm. first he was Mm -hmm. intimidated by it. Or scared that it was going to take away his job. So, again, that that is up to the medical society and the holistic society together and saying, how do we work together cohesively, Mm -hmm. collaboratively, Mm -hmm. complementarily, just like any Mm -hmm. relationship, uh, Mm -hmm. respecting each other's boundaries, but for the greater good of the patient. Right. Absolutely. Yep. It's again, breaking those stigmas. And it is just, if we are so for our patients and yeah. so for their well-being, how do we show up like that? that yes. We will keep every alternative in mind right. to give them the best patient care possible. And for some people, a lot of their physical health is coming through the mental strain of either burnout or just constantly living in anticipation or, you know, yet another thing happening in the world and just, you know, mm-hmm constantly unable to let go or look at the future with any joy and if we can get them round to looking at the future as a beautiful blank canvas ready for their paintbrush which mm-hmm. they can paint anything they want on it I think then that, that a lot of the health issues start taking you know mm-hmm. start going uh, in a different directions as well yeah no I absolutely believe that and um, I just think if we're able to even more understand um, emotional and mental well-being, how to really help people um, just engage in those practices of, of prevention and, and overall health and well-being. We as a society, yeah. then we will we will change. It will be a massive drastic change of how we show up and how healthy we are physically and mentally. And you know how so much dysfunction out there will fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, we're in a transition. And that transition is very, very disruptive right now. We're seeing more mental health. We're seeing more street people. We're seeing more people with depression, more suicides, more everything. Mm-hmm. And yet we have so many answers to prevention of this. <laughs> I quite agree. And we need you to speak up for us. Um, and we, we need to speak up. And we need to get the dog in there speaking up for us as well, uh, because we do need to speak up because that change doesn't come about at the top level where the money is until we as a society stand up and say, we, we don't want the same or we want something different. And that actually comes up with um, in America and, you know, 
here we're covered medically, but in America, you know, you're not. And if they see the money is going more to the holistic and wellness side of things rather than the medical side of things, they're going to go, hang on, there's something mm -hmm. here, right? So mm -hmm. your purse speaks, folks. Yes. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. The, the awareness will speak mm -hmm. volumes when, you know, uh, funds are going in a different direction. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Um, what is your procedure with a client? If someone comes to you, what, uh, what do they expect? Yeah. So I typically work with clients um, on an organizational level at this point, just really helping teams with burnout and moving forward, uh, just using tools with people development. So typically I sit down with clients go over the specific needs that they're, they're having uh, and outcomes that they want. Um, so we gear a program specifically for them, usually with strategic people development. So it's, it's with personality assessments with the people that are involved um, and it's um, systemic language too, that they use. So a cultural language that everybody can adopt and use mm -hmm. creates a unity. If you're able to speak the same leadership language and you know, communication significantly improves when there's subjective, you know, objective versus subjective language. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I, I, we kind of just sit down and do a needs-based assessment essentially. And then um, with the engagement, usually starts with personality assessments and then um, some consistency with the, the tools and training. So training and then group facilitations, honestly, um, just helping people solve real life problems with leadership and burnout. So it's the individual... Uh, to them, the team you know, and mm -hmm. the full leadership. And of course, whatever happens, you know, with them at work, they're going to take home. Yeah. If it work, if it's working at home, they're going to take the same system at home with them. And, you know, we're going to start seeing that wonderful spider web, you know, mm -hmm. really reach out. And so, uh, you know, we want people to feel they can be the same people at home as they can be at mm -hmm. work and vice versa. You wear a different skill hat but who mm -hmm. you are as a person should be the same wherever you go. Yeah. And so whatever's happening to them here is mm -hmm. most certainly going to be something they'll take into their community that benefits the yeah. community. Absolutely. Yeah. So the clients I work with that are experiencing burnout, often they have some type of physical um, you know, attribution to them as well. So there's something happening with them. Um, either uh, just, you know, stress causing stomach issues or palpitations or have like anxiety, depression sometimes, which is more um, a mental um, issue that they're working through. But uh, once you experience that at work, it's really hard to separate that going mm -hmm. home. But once we start to address the things that are happening at work and they start to get better. So, um, communication starts to improve. Mm. So usually the, the leading indicators of, of improvement are my self-awareness improves. I'm starting to understand my coworkers. We're communicating better. I know actually what my friend, you know, this, this acquaintance that becomes a friend at work, right. uh, Susie, like what's going on in her life. And I can communicate with her and relate to her on a different level. Then my stress starts to go down. I start mm -hmm. to have less physical ailments. I start to have less anxiety about going to work. And then that leads to better intentional practices at home with my relationships. It is absolutely a trickle down effect. And then people have more capacity to be involved in community. And it's just, it is this huge ripple effect of if I let going to work and if I'm self-aware and if I can be aware of others around me, the changes are incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, again, we like to point the finger, but there's three pointing back at us. It's, mm -hmm. um, yeah, society may be causing the issue, 
but you are within yourself the solution and it's up to you to look to the people that are there in abundance now in abundance that are going to help you navigate the path to your own equilibrium your own balance so you know how to manage the stresses you know how to manage the conflict you know how much to take in of the outside world and how much to leave alone and not get immersed into it and they're all skills that we need no matter who you are where you are in life but if we start at the corporate side of things production obviously goes up because Mm -hmm. camaraderie is there right the village looking after each other Uh, loyalty most certainly because people want to stay in arena where they feel seen Mm -hmm. and heard and the desire to see the 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 company succeed and take pride in knowing Mm -hmm. they're a part of it and that that presence of being then is taken everywhere can only benefit but it does start with us that willingness that Mm -hmm. willingness to say that there's something wrong. I don't like where I'm at. I don't like where I feel, what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to let go. I need to reprogram mm-hmm. because most people are working on an old program. I need a different pattern in life that's better for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the willingness to yes. do that. Just like you said, it's the willingness to say, okay, something's off and I have to try to figure it out. And I have to take the time to do it. I have to be patient or I have to yeah. just invest in something that it's going to allow me the space to process through how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it definitely starts with, with us first. And just knowing that is a powerful, you know, shift in perspective of we can do something about it, even though the world is feeling maybe a little heavy, there's a lot of pressure. If we look to what we actually have authority over as far as decisions and actions, it's more than what we think. Mm-hmm. So it is a lot more. Um, you know, I, um, I love the word flawsome. I think mm-hmm. it's, a, you know, we're all flawsome. And, you know, the, the analogy of that is the, the Japanese or the Chinese um, bowl that was broken. And then it's re put back together with gold mm-hmm. thread. And it yeah. becomes even more valuable because of its brokenness and coming back together. And that's where I think the flawsomeness in is, is sometimes our flaw is what defines us. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's not a mistake. It's just a beautiful floor of who you are and we embrace it and we become awesome because of it, you know, and it's, please, you can have a perfect situation, a perfect moment in life, but if you're looking to be perfect, you've mm-hmm. just put a, your own gun to your head. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there is no such thing as perfect people, just a perfect moment with someone or a perfect mm-hmm. situation, perfect this, but not don't forget about perfection overall mm-hmm. that you're trying to seek to be because you're only going to let yourself down. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a tendency I've had to face. <laughs> it's just the perfectionism. Whew, that's a tough one. Um, and I know for a lot of people, they, cause they've experienced the same thing, just, Oh my gosh, I want to make sure this is absolutely perfect. And I think the moment I let that go is mm-hmm. when I could actually be authentic and be like, I'm so imperfect and I'm okay with that. Yes. <laughs> You know? Yes, <laughs> you're flawsome. I know I'm <laughs> flawsome. Just the acceptance, and I think sometimes that happens when we're going through really hard stuff. It's just the ability to say, "Okay, you know what? I made. I can own the mistakes that I have, and I can just own every part of who I am." And it just kind of deepens the level of um, 
I guess stories that I have and the, the experiences. It doesn't doesn't take anything away from it. Being imperfect just adds such great depth to who people are. Exactly. It allows our growth. Without them, how do we grow? Right? right. You know, we we're not meant to be stagnant. We're not meant to be one note. You know, we're a symphony in our own right. And all of our experiences is what molds us and defines us. Yeah. And it's how we show up in life. And, you know, if we can choose the gratitude and we can choose to be healing unto ourselves and, and do the work with the help, um, we step into that awesomeness of that what we really are. And we can step into the pride of who we really are. And that's not being ego. That's just being a false ego. That is just being, I love who I am and what I'm doing. And that means yeah. you're going to want to do more of it because yeah. you know it's having a positive effect. Yeah. And isn't absolutely. that the greatest gift anybody can have in life? It is. It absolutely is. And just not being afraid. It, it takes away a level of fear too. Honestly, it just takes away that level of like, if I mess up, I can be okay exposing that a little bit. Yes. Um, and there's, there's kind of decreases the amount of pressure that we have on ourselves too, of making mistakes. And that normalizes the experience of, Hey, it's okay to be, yeah. you know, maybe to get something not quite right. Or yeah. even just, um, have an experience of like, this didn't work out. So what will make it work out? So that growth mindset of let's tap yeah. into different solutions and, and to the, the problems that we're seeing, but it just is so much more beautiful and more of that self-discovery of like, Ooh, okay. This doesn't seem quite right. And what went wrong here? And then how do we move forward from that? And sometimes it's, it's something you need to walk away from, mm -hmm. you know, you were hell bent on it and it, mm -hmm. everything felt right. And then it proved to be no, but it, mm -hmm. it, you need to walk away from it. It's not a waste of time because all of the things that you learned from yes. it, you're now going to take somewhere else. Right. But, you know, Absolutely. sometimes it's just a closed door and you can't yeah. open it no matter what key you think you have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And even, yeah, like you said, those experiences are even just beautiful experiences mm. and there's things that will be stepping stones yes. to other, you know, avenues to opportunities experienced. And, um, sometimes when you think there's a, an open door, you're like, Oh, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. This is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like closes six months later. So it's like, okay, well, what's the next opportunity? And just being aware to those opportunities has been a beautiful thing for me. So. Awareness. You know, I'm always saying to people awareness and allow, mm -hmm. allow the experience. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's, yeah. if your heart is in the right place, if your soul is, is speaking mm -hmm. to you, your spirit's flying, allow the experience. Don't dictate it yes. because then you're going to miss out a great deal on, mm -hmm. on the, what that experience can mean to you. So mm -hmm. just allow yourself to go through it. And when you mm -hmm. do go through it, even the process of going through it, it will reveal itself. And in that yes. reveal, you will grow. So that's the yeah. important thing. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, so absolutely. how do people get hold of you? And I notice you've got a free giveaway here as well. So can you yeah. tell us all about that, please, love? Yes, absolutely. Uh, best way to get in touch with me. So two ways, uh, email, you can email me at Becky at BeckyWolf.com. I have a website, which is BeckyWolf.com uh, or LinkedIn. I'm really active on LinkedIn and you can find me at uh, Becky Wolf on LinkedIn as well. Um, so those are the best ways to get in touch with me. 
Wonderful. And Becky is B-E-C-K-Y, Wolf, W-O-L-F-E, just in case people are thinking of different spelling. So BeckyWolf.com, Becky at BeckyWolf.com, LinkedIn, Becky Wolf, Instagram, Becky, uh, Betty Wolf Coaching, right? Mm -hmm. So, And uh, they can contact you there. And uh, you've got the personality assessment and all of that, which I really am a huge advocate of because Mm -hmm. I know that when I did uh, True Colors 21 years ago, it really gave me permission to be me because this was my personality trait. Now, Mm -hmm. however much everybody wanted me to be this and that, Mm -hmm. I couldn't be it. This is who I am. But it also helped me change my dialogue and how I talk to other people according to their personality trait. So, you know, I found it to be a great asset and I highly recommend people because that's the human uh, mechanics of you, your personality trait. And it's going to be how you will embrace your heart, soul and spirit, um, your whole psyche of you. So it's good to know. So that definitely an advocate for. Thank you, Becky, for sharing here today. I'm glad that you redirected your life into something that's so meaningful because, uh, again, as you ignite those heart and souls and spirits into being, they become more enriched and abundant in their own lives, in their work life, in their home life, and every other relationship that they have. And we're going to see just a wonderful wave of people being the solution to society Mm -hmm. by embracing the beauty of who they are. Yes. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Sarah. Just such great conversation. And I learned so much from you and about who you are and just absolutely love uh, this experience. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you very, very much. Folks, as I say all the time, the solutions are out there. It doesn't matter how big your problem is. There's somebody out there there to help you. You've just got to reach out. You've just got to listen and then participate in your own healing because uh, don't wait for someone else just to come along or a doctor just to prescribe a pill or download an app. It is Mm -hmm. about your participation in your own healing, your own awareness, uh, in your own decision making, and it will serve you well and those all around you. But remember, it starts with you. So until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Find all of our shows on selfdiscoverymedia.com under podcasts or selfdiscoverymedia slash shows. And for all our current shows, go to What's New. We are supported by you, the audience. You will see a nice big shiny blue button for one-time donations or follow us on Patreon and you will be able to support us there. We enjoy bringing you such wisdom. And the next show will be up just a moment.